Welcome everyone. I'm your host, Angelo Santiago, and this is the We Are The Men podcast, a show that is dedicated to sharing the stories of men who are all connected by a commitment to having a positive impact on the world through the actions they take in their own lives. My guest today is Pierre Etienne Vanier. Pierre Etienne is a father of two, a student of Sufi Islam, a lover of the Turkish flute, and has spent over 15 years learning, practicing, and teaching traditional and modern body-mind methods of stress and trauma management with the purpose of healing and integrating our inner wounds. His community work includes volunteering with organizations supporting low-income populations, cancer patients, torture victims, and people living with HIV AIDS. He also has trained field hospital volunteers and health practitioners in Cairo, Egypt during the Egyptian revolution. Currently, he supports and guides those who are ready to heal and restore safety from within by returning to the truth and humanity of our body, finding natural balance in our nervous system and our relationship to ourselves, to others, to the earth, and to the divine. And so with that, I want to welcome Pierre Etienne to the We Are The Men podcast. I'm excited to have this conversation. It's an honor to be here with you. Really looking forward to talking about this body-mind methods that you use and the impact it has on the lives of others, but also a little bit about your story. What got you to where you are today to be bringing this to the people around you, the community around you, and people all over the world? So welcome, Pierre Etienne. I love having you here. Always a great pleasure to connect with you. Thank you, brother. It's a pleasure and honor to be here and to spread the word and, and share with the people listening the many different paths ahead of us of healing and feeling and reconnection. So yeah, I'm glad to be here. Well, let's before we go all the way back to the beginning, let's talk a little bit about life for you right now, the season of life you find yourself in. The season of life. Yeah, there's a lot going on in the world that's affecting all of us. And I want to know for you, where do you find yourself? What's happening in your world? What's this next step for you as you step through the path and the journey that you're on? I take a breath, brother, because it's difficult for me and for many other people to think of anything else that what's going on in the world right now. I live in Cairo, Egypt. I've lived here for a decade and a half almost. My wife is Egyptian American, you know, my some of my kids are born here and, and so on and so forth. I have a, I have a deep connection here to the culture, to the region. And and only a few hundred kilometers away from here, we have people being bombarded, buried alive under the rubbles. And I understand that, you know, it contrasts a lot with the whole love and light conversation on podcasts and, and healing spaces where it's, it's, it's all about, you know, holding space for each other. But I also want to remind myself and remind everybody of the importance to also face the shadows because these are not just their shadows. These are our collective shadows right now. And so, so you ask me what, what season am I in? This is winter. Winter's coming. It is a unavoidable and painful and probably transformative time. I know it is for me on a personal level. We can talk about personal projects and how I train people and, and on and so forth, but I also want to acknowledge on a more global, regional, global level that I think what's happening today in Gaza forces everybody here to just reflect, have a hard look at what is the definition of integrity? What is my definition of integrity? What is my definition of humanity? Like all that talk about that all life are equal, all men are equal. I, I don't see that. 
And that pains me. That pains me to see that. And that pains me, especially when I see a billion dollar industry that talks about healing that remains completely silent when it comes to expressing that, when it comes to really expressing what is humanity and and the opportunity to once again face the shadow. Like we've been in retreat together, we've been in spaces together where the most transformative moments were when we held what was most painful from a place of safety, from a place of compassion, from a place of wanting to grow, wanting to heal. And I failed to understand how nowadays, I want to say almost that we're completely missing the opportunity here to really figure out and clarify where we stand, how to do the work, because a lot of people talk about doing the work, but this is the work. The work is not being done in a sanitized yoga studio. Right. The work is being done in reality, on the ground, with people. That is healing too. So when I ask myself, do I care as much about Palestine as I care about Ukraine, or do I care as much as I do about Israelis, and so on and so forth. Like these are serious questions and th there's no easy answers here. I feel like, a, and for me too, I'm angry. I'm angry at what's happening. A, a lot of, a lot of what I'm going through right now is anger and frustration and pretty intense conversations where I took it for granted that, you know, we could see eye to eye. And I realized that, oh, there's more layers for us to explore which is great. I welcome that. I think it's really important that that's how, you know, if I, every time I argue with my wife and then we repair, we grow closer. Yeah. But if we, if we pretend that there's no issue, there's no argument, there's no disagreement, then we're just growing further away from each other. So this is what's happening right now. Some decisions being made, some conversations that need to happen that are not always popular, that are not always understood. I work if I may, I work also with, with a lot of people in the US where clearly we're not getting the same information. <laughs> no. And at the same time, at this point in time, I'm like, if, if you don't want to know, you know, if you don't know what's happening right now, it's, it's because you don't want to know because it's, it's right there. Everything is, is available to us. And so we can argue, well, we don't know. These are not, are these numbers really valid? And, well, but, but you have a right to self-defense and like how many thousands of children need to be pulled out of rubbles before that's enough defense. So right now I'm um, juggling a lot of emotions, holding space for myself, for my loved ones, for my friends, for a lot of clients who are quote unquote on both sides. And this is not, there's no sides. The illusion of sides is just exhausting. It's not a freaky football team. It's life and death. So this is a tricky period of time right now where I think there's a, an awakening and I think some, there's an opportunity to rise. There's an opportunity to clarify individually, collectively, organizationally, where we stand, who do we want to stand with? Because I do believe that in five years, 10 years from now, my kids will ask me, your kids will ask you when, when that happened, because we're learning this in the books, you know, what, what did you do? What did you say? Right. And I can't be like, well, I just, I didn't say nothing. I wasn't too sure. I figured we're, we're just going to let it be. That's, I don't, that's not, I can't look away. And, um, thank you for asking. <laughs> you know? Thank you for, for sharing. Honestly, I think 
it's very easy. Like you mentioned, you know, very, very beginning, you touched on there's so many in whatever you want to call it, the healing industry or, you know, these self-improvement podcasts and, and outlets where information can be shared and vulnerability can be shared and emotions can be shared. And, and a lot of people are sidestepping that conversation. So I appreciate you bringing it in fully, bringing your anger, bringing your frustration, bringing the confusion that comes in conversation with other people, but the willingness to have those conversations, those tough conversations. And I can relate. And as I can imagine, so many people can just even in conversations with my wife and friends and stuff, it's, it's important to face and to return back to what you shared about in your introduction is like returning this humanity, right? This really, there's a hardening of the heart that happens when we're picking sides of deciding this is right and this is wrong and setting judgments and, and being like, no, you can't think this way. If you think this way, then I don't even want to deal with you. There's a hardening that happens. And in the work that that I've done with you in person, where we're, we're working, we're healing a lot of the past, the past issues that have happened. And what comes to mind for me is the curiosity is like, how do we heal in the present, right? Like as these things are happening in real time, okay, we could either do or not do and let these things harden us. And then five years down the road, have an experience where we process all of this, but how do we process in the present? I don't know, does that bring up anything for you in, in the work that you do with people, even the work that you were doing training volunteers in, in Cairo during that experience there, the revolution, how do you work in the present moment? I mean, this is such a good question you know, that keeps on coming back in conversations. And if you allow me to be candid here, a, a valid question in a conversation that, that I am having with, with people that are important to me right now. Like you said, you know, it's like, well, a lot of the brothers, let's take the example of guys in the US who've been on the battlefields, who, who enrolled in the army because they thought it was something and then figured out that actually it's it's something quite different and and they go there as an occupying force and i'm i'm saying that both with compassion and and honesty too when you find yourself in a foreign country invading a country you're an occupying force and then going home many of them then start the work and own it and decide to do the work that needs to be done to heal that shadow how do you do this when we're in spaces with soldiers, we're in active duty. We're currently occupying. We're currently brutalizing. And they may not want to. I understand that some of them are a link in a chain that they too have been conditioned right. to think a certain way, to operate a certain way. I'm not coming from a place of pointing fingers here. But just the same way you said our heart hardens when you when we pick a side. Yes, I think we need to stay in the conversation. We need to be able to stabilize and regulate so that I don't shut down. Right. Because it's easy to slam the door and be like, you're an asshole. I'm right. I'm out. You know, it's the easy way. It's much more difficult to say, I'm infuriated by what you're doing. And you probably don't understand also where I'm coming from. Can we be in the same space right now and have that conversation, providing that it is safe enough for us to have this conversation? Because for some people, it is not safe to be with these soldiers who are active duty. 
because their family is currently under occupation. And so it is the roles and responsibility for, of allies to step in and to say, well, let's be in that conversation. And how can we heal in the present? I don't know. I don't know, frankly speaking, other than remaining in the conversation and not going anywhere and trying to get to know each other and trying to get to the bottom of, of why is this happening? Why is this repeating? What's happening in Palestine has been happening forever. And I'm not just saying in Palestine, this is the archetype of David versus Goliath. This is the archetype of the oppressed versus the oppressor. And you find once again, the tyrant that is the victim. And you find once again, the oppressed was rising up and, and who says, it's okay. We surrender in that moment. We surrender to what's happening. We've, there is no fear. We trust in what's going on here. And so for me, this is a really complicated and painful conversation that we need to have in these healing spaces. Because as much as I'm able and it is safe for me to be in a conversation with, to be concrete, an IDF soldier right now as, we, as we're recording this podcast, right? 15,000 people have been killed in Gaza, right? We have like almost 6,000 children. This is a genocide. How can I be in a space to talk right now to people who are contributing to that? I don't feel like being in that space, right. but I feel like we need to be in that space because otherwise, you know, like what's going on? Because some people cannot be in that space right? because Palestinian brothers cannot be in that space because for as long as they've lived and for as long as their parents have lived, they've been under the brutal occupation. So if we were to ask them right now to show up and to express yourself freely, don't worry, it's a safe space. No, it's not. Let's not be naive here. This is naive at best and this is dangerous at worst. Yeah. And so we need, we need to own that as space holders, as people creating healing spaces, are these healing spaces truly safe for all? And that also means what is our responsibility in terms of calling out? Men, we've been in spaces together where some men had committed domestic abuse, beat up their wife. Did we welcome them? We welcomed them. Did we hold them accountable? We held them accountable and we helped them process that. We've been in spaces where men killed, they were at war. Did we welcome them? Of course we welcomed them. Did we process it and help and invited them to really understand what it means to do that? Yes, we did. So that's my question here. When I welcome somebody who has an ideology that says, you were here, but this was given to me, I'm chosen. And therefore I'm just going to destroy your livelihood and massacre your family. I welcome the men to that retreat, but I cannot be in integrity unless I face him and ask him here to own it and to have a, a decent conversation. And so this is easy to just try to brush this conversation under the rug. It is easy to say like, well, you know, let's just love and light, hold each other. We can't, you know, yes, everybody's welcome. But if we talk about true, deep healing, then we need to have the courage to go deep enough. And I, and I hope the same way that I would invite these men, I would ask for these men to own up and grow up and, and own what they did. I hope they'll do the same for whatever I did. That's how we grow, not by hiding and pretending that it's okay and hiding behind, you know, false narratives. 
it's important for us to, the truth is coming out. And it is very difficult here because when we talk about the truth, but when I see every single day, women and children, right, pulled out of the rubbles, there's no sugarcoating that. There's no denying it. So you tell me it's not 6,000, it's 5,000, fine. You tell me it's not 5,000, it's 4,000, okay. Like how many dead, innocent civilians do you need to make your point? Yeah, brother. What was the question? I don't know, but I, I heard you. <laughs> but your answer was exactly what it needed to be. And yeah, these to have these conversations, and it's interesting because it is really challenging for a lot of people to have these open conversations, to hear you. Like, I'm, I'm curious, actually, even in, in you sharing all that, whoever's listening to the podcast, like how many people decided to stop, to press the stop mm -hmm. button? Because there's a discomfort. There's a discomfort in, in our nervous system. There's a discomfort in our minds, right? And ultimately, there's a discomfort in our hearts and like whether we decide to feel that and step towards it. Or do we run away from it, right? Again, it's that fight or flight, but it's like for you and your work with doing, you know, describing this natural balance in our nervous systems, how can you encourage people who feel everything tense up? Like all the, just like, I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to hear what you say. I don't want to share what I need to share because I feel like that's not good. How can you bring somebody into an openness to have these tough conversations. Because like you said, if we don't create these spaces, who will? There are people who can't because of their situation. So we have been given the gift to be able to create these spaces, but it's still uncomfortable. So for let's talk to the leaders out there, men and women who are listening to this, who are like, I want to bring this conversation into the gathering that I'm bringing together. I don't want it to all be all love and light. How can you encourage those people to do it in a way that they find that grounded centeredness and like say what needs to be said, even if it's challenging, even if people are going to walk out the door the second they start talking? Yeah. Before any deep work, I think that we need to remember to resource ourselves, to ground ourselves. It's just like emotional stretching before an emotional workout. That's what it is. You don't go straight into it with your mind, my preconceived ideas, and this is what I need to achieve. And, and this is how I need to convince them. And I'm guilty as charged. Sometimes I get excited and I'm like, this is, this is what we need to do, but maybe I don't know. So the idea of first having an agreement, like you said, some people don't want to go there. If you don't want to go there, I won't force you. Nobody can force you to open your eyes to the reality of what's happening. Nobody can force you to understand that right now there's, there are choices to be made, that there's position to be taken, there is masks that are falling. And so if you want to have that conversation first, I commend you for it because it's going to get a comfortable AF. And for some people, there's a, again, like you said, there's, there's that preconceived idea. It's like, you know, I'm just going to, um, and I'm just going to stretch and I'm going to, you know, learn that I'm capable and I'm valuable and I'm loved and I'm loving, which is all true. And growth does not happen from a place of comfort. Growth happened from a place of adversity. It's when I am confronted physically, emotionally, mentally, that have an opportunity to explore different ways to feel, to view the world. So to the leaders out there, I would say, Give people an opportunity to grow and give them an opportunity to explore the depth 
of what's going on. Because for as long as we're in denial about what's going on, for as long as we wish to just feel good and, and stay in that positive thinking and and I've had a very dear brother of mine tell me that the best answer you can be is just to remain at peace. And I sat with it for a few seconds and I'm not sure I agree. Because in that moment, how can I not be infuriated and heartbroken at the reality of what's going on just a few hundred kilometers away from me? The only difference between me and that person right now who just buried their kids is I got lucky because I'm not born there. That's the only difference. So understanding that, first of all, to not take things for granted. Number two, understanding that what they're going through, we're going through the same thing. This is not their shadow, that's our shadow. That's our collective shadow. And as long as we pretend it's not, as long as we refuse or we deny that it's there, then we, we won't be able to heal. Then we'll keep on repressing and suppressing and denying. And I see so many people working. I've been working with people dealing with trauma for a long time. And especially, for example, people dealing with cancer, where there's always a positive mindset. Like there's so much pressure to remain positive. Oh my goodness, it's exhausting. Do you know how much healing happens when you give yourself permission to really feel how afraid, scared, anxious you are in that moment? This is liberating. And it shouldn't happen anytime, anywhere. It is important for the leaders to create that safe space and to say, this, these are the agreements, just like we would do. These are, the, these are the agreements. This is what we're trying to do. There is no hidden agenda other than being honest, vulnerable, and authentic, because that's the only way that we'll be able to reclaim the humanity that we were talking about earlier. Yeah. So I want to touch on the emotional stretching and the idea that you mentioned, like your friend said to you, just be at peace. Because the reality, all that is, is like masking over the, the anger, the grief. I mean, you talked about being infuriated, being heartbroken. If you just play this game where it's like, well, let me just be at peace or let me just be positive or let me just send healing and light to the people who are suffering. It's like that is just being untrue to yourself and ultimately tying even bigger knots in your body, in your nervous system, in your gut, in your heart that are going to be take work to unravel. So it brings me back to the same thing of like, do I unravel this five years down the road and look back at this and be like, oh my God, what happened? Or how do I start the process of unraveling right now or just preventing any of these tightening to happen? And so in the same way that you work with your cancer patients who are sharing about this idea of like, oh, I have to stay positive, I have to stay positive. For someone who is... Maybe they see what's going on out there. Maybe like they actually have an awareness, but they're choosing to be like, you know what? If I just stay positive, if I just stay in my peace, that's going to be the best thing I can do. How can you start helping them unravel that idea and step into this like fear of feeling all of it, of feeling that anger, of feeling that heartbrokenness? My greatest teachers have always been my biggest challenges. And so how do we unravel this? We go back to the concept of, of safety, which is different from the, the concept of comfort. And I think there's a confusion usually in our society where it's like, where if I'm safe, then I'm comfortable. No, these are two very different things. You may feel safe and feel very uncomfortable. I actually see that a lot of people who, when they give themselves permission 
to start leaning into some of that discomforts because they're safe enough, because they may be accompanied by practitioners, they may be in a circle where they feel supported, they may be surrounded by, you know, 25 brothers, you know, we're saying, we, we got you, we're here for you. And when they lean into it, that's going to get very uncomfortable. But I think that gift of emotional self-regulation is crucial. I'm not trying to either extinguish that fire or get lost into that fire. I'm learning how to modulate that fire, that anger, that sadness. It's not because I'm connected to it or I'm connecting to it that I necessarily need, feel, need to feel all of it. Now, going back to your point, if I've been sitting on it for years, decades, yeah, if I start leaning into it, sometimes it's going to feel like a lot. Hence the importance here of being given the tools or being accompanied in that process. There's things for me that are too big to process on my own. Everybody has their own limitations. That's why I feel like, you know, mentorship is crucial. I was having that conversation with the young brother earlier, who's precisely learning how to hold space. And I told him, the best way for you to learn is, is to see how more experienced people are doing it. Sit with them, humble yourself, understand that if you think your cup is full, then there's no point in you trying to learn anything. Right. But if you acknowledge that there's, there's room for improvement, then you're in the best place to learn. So to be able to have the guidance from people who have tried, who have already leaned into that pain, into that sadness, into that grief. That's why I'm so deeply, deeply grateful to the people I'm working with. You know, all the people you've mentioned earlier, because all of them reminded me of how lucky I am in my life with my kids and my life to not take things for granted. There was always something that beautiful gifts that they offered me in that moment. I remember my, my grandmother, God bless her soul, was always telling me almost every time we talked, she was like, oh, your, your work must be so difficult. And I always answered, you have no idea how beautiful it is. I feel so honored and humble to be in these spaces. These are not comfortable spaces. Right. But if we do it in a way that is respectful, that is honest, that is authentic, and that is skillful, because frankly speaking, you can't improvise yourself. Please don't improvise. Like, and I've been saying that also to a lot of people lately. We're like, let me just, let me hold a circle and we're just gonna let people bring up whatever they need to bring up. And to that, I'm saying good luck because with everything that's going on right now, I suggest that you build your capacity. If you feel the calling to promote healing, I commend you because there's, we need an army of people being able to hold space like that gift of emotional self-regulation for yourself and for, for others is, is of tremendous importance during these challenging times. And I, I, I don't know if it's going to get much better. I think we are we're in a pivotal moment in history where again, we're going to have to, you know, come out of that cocoon and we're going to have to, you know, start to fly, but it's, it's going to get uncomfortable. So to the people who are like, yeah, I'm just going to, I'm just going to hold that circle and, and see what's happening. I just want to say, please be cautious and respectful of how much people are carrying, at least, you know, around me, most of the people I talk to or deeply affected. And if you're not affected by what's going on 
in Palestine and, and in Israel, you know, like just look at what's going on in Yemen. If you're not affected by what's going on in Yemen, just, just look, you know, over the, these generations, like all the un, unresolved trauma that the U.S. hasn't dealt with, you know, a history of, of slavery and genocides of Native Americans, you know, and so on and so forth. These are big shadows. So when you open these spaces and, we, and you say, let's, let's feel it, <laughs> sometimes it's big and it's too big and there's no benefits in that because then it becomes unsafe. And like you said initially, if it becomes unsafe, then we shut down because that's the only defense mechanism that we have in that moment. I'm just going to numb consciously or subconsciously. And sometimes I'm going to just smoke so much weed, drink so much booze, or have so much sex that I won't have time to feel anything else. And a lot of brothers are there. And if I may, a dear brother of mine was buried last week. So when I say a lot is going on, a lot is going on. And again, it's painful because sometimes you don't see it coming. And, and I didn't see it coming. And then I was told, it's a long story for, for another time, but I'm just trying to say here, paying attention to the signs and the cues of like, why, why would I need to numb myself out so much? And it, most of the time it's just to mask the pain. And the way for us to heal that is really to promote connection and promote safety. I, I truly believe in the power of, of brotherhood, in the, in the power of connection. You know, I've, I've seen it, I've experienced it for myself. I've experienced it as a practitioner, as a facilitator. And I do, I do see that. And I feel like it's more important than ever for us to come together because right now a lot of people are overwhelmed. And when you overwhelm, you shut down. And when you shut down, you find yourself in that vicious circle of isolation where you might decide that it's just too much and you can't bear it anymore. And so to anybody who might be listening to this, just like I wished, you know, my friend would have reached out and share with me because I saw him a few months ago. I wish he could have shared, open up, just like reach out, please reach out. And you know, we, we're part of an organization that reaches out, but we can extend a hand, but we're not going to force you to come. Your partner may force you to come. You know, your, your wife, your partner, your boyfriend, like they may force you to come in that because they're tired of your bullshit on a lighter note. But again, it's your responsibility and it's your opportunity because that myth and that illusion of being alone is so destructive. And it's for us, you know, to come together and say, it's, that's not true. Right. Reach out. Yeah. And if I can add to that, that feeling of being alone, that feeling is very real, but the reality of the aloneness, like the isolation, the, the power of connection, the power of brotherhood, the power of mentor, you touched on mentorship, like it's around you, it's available. And yes, there is a discomfort in reaching out for support, in asking for help. There may be, not always, but sometimes if it's something really hard, there may be a discomfort in it. But it's like, can you find, reach out for that safety, even in the discomfort? like you mentioned, like they're not connected. Can you reach out to somebody that can support you, that you can talk to, that you feel safe with, to talk about those things that are uncomfortable, all those challenges you're facing, all the struggles you're going through, all the experiences that you're having that make you feel like you're, you're all alone. Like you said, the, the power of connection is incredibly potent. And it's something that we, as a society, as a 
culture has lost, but has been such an integral part of humanity forever. Like, where's your tribe? Where are your people? Who are those you can lean on? So I want to pull the thread a little bit on your story, because you talked about the importance of mentorship. You talked about the importance of, of finding somebody who's maybe a few steps or many, many steps ahead of you to help you on your journey, whether it is a healing journey, whether it is a learning journey, training, like you, you shared a lot about what it is that you do now. I'm curious for you, like what brought you to this point of where you're at now? Like what was the path of where you were to get you to do the work that you are now to find the meaning and the purpose and the impact that you're having on the people that you work with and even in like the community around you? How did you get there? I initially, I think it was really, I was looking for more than what was going on at the time before I got into nervous system regulation and and, and started to hold space uh, in a deeper way for people. I used to work for United Nations, working with people living, living with HIV for eight years. And that was in itself a, a very humbling and transformational experience. And at the same time, I was also frustrated by some of the, the red tape and, and some of the things that were going on, which is you know true for, for most big organizations. But I think what was important for me is, is to notice, I, I realized that the most transformational experiences did not occur when the people had all the information. It wasn't a, a cognitive, technical approach that would actually shift things for people. It was when they were in a space where they had the opportunity to connect to the reality of their inner experiences. And so that's when I started to study. I studied hypnotherapy. I studied different trauma and recovery models. I, and I kept going because frankly speaking, I don't, I can't think of any more fascinating adventure than getting to know yourself and getting to know others and deepening these interpersonal relationships. So what a gift to be in these spaces. And I think coming to these spaces with respect and humility and integrity. And when I say integrity, I mean, just like I said earlier, which is like, if you're going to deepen that space, if you're going to hold that space, then make sure you know what you're doing. So for me, that was it. I started to, to build my capacity and to train people. I found myself training therapists and psychiatrists and psychologists and, and people who, who had you know great respect for, and who also reminded me that it's not because you studied a lot that you connected to your body. These are two very different things. And you may but that, is, that doesn't come as a package. And so I feel like that process of embodiment is actually the path. I don't know if I found it or if it found me, but the deeper I go into these spaces, the more intimate it becomes, the more spiritual it becomes. I used to work in a very quote unquote clinical way. And the deeper I go into the spaces, the more spiritual and the more sacred it becomes because I don't, again, it's not the truth. It's just my truth. But the, what I've experienced in these spaces was divine, both in terms of my own inner experiences, the interactions, even working with people who are terminal. This is special. This is really special. So building your capacity and, and through that path and and God knows, you know, what's coming up next. But for me, it's it's really every interaction, every session, every circle, every retreat is a, it, as much as there's a, 
a sense of like holding space for others. I get this, these gifts, you know, like a hundredfold. This is like, oh, wow, there was so much for me, so much learning as a father, as a son, as a husband, as a friend, because I started to see that again, there's no them. There's no me, there's no them. It's just, if we can awaken from that illusion of separatedness, we're not separate. We're not, this is why, again, I'm, I'm heartbroken by what's going on. And I'm heartbroken by sometimes the reluctance of people wanting to face it because what you're doing, you're preventing yourself from getting to know yourself better, from going deeper into your own self and into your own divine self. I stand by the words that you mentioned when you talk about my bio, it is about connecting to yourself, connecting to others and connecting to the divine because these, these spaces become sacred. When you show up with humility, when you show up with respect and authenticity, things fall into place and it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And I've shown up with a, a sense of openness, receptivity of trusting in the unknown. Those were some of the hardest things and what you were sharing for me to get to on my journey in terms of opening up to the sacred, to the divine, to God, to something bigger than myself, whatever it is that each individual person wants to connect with, but just understanding that is there's something there bigger than me at work, at play. And seeing that in, like you said, the people that I interact with, like I could go to an event with a hundred people, but for some reason, the three people that I have deep interactions with are the ones that it was meant to be. It was the ones that our paths crossed in a very specific way, because something either I was going through, they could relate to, or something that they were going through. I just had an openness to receive them in. And it's like these moments that happen, this work that we do, it's way bigger than me. It's way bigger than you. It's way bigger than everybody. There's beautiful things at play if we're open to it, if we're receptive to it. And to me, that all ties back around to what's going on in the world, the atrocities that are going on just at every corner of the world. Wherever you look, the things that are happening, can we return to our humanness? Can we return to our hearts? Can we return to our openness into the fact, like you said, that we're all one? We're all here on this planet together. We're all these beautiful souls walking around and fuck, man, it's scary and challenging to have these conversations, but like where we started off and us talking that like, these are the conversations that need to be had. These are the things we need to confront and be open about and be in the discomfort for whatever it is that we're evolving, expanding into. And if you allow me to add just briefly as a father. I remind myself that if I'm not the one having these conversations, then my kids a few years from now will have to have these conversations and they will have to have some difficult and challenging conversation of their own. I don't doubt that. But I think to all the, the men and to all the fathers out there, take your responsibility, own your shit. When you talk about mentorship, yes, it is about guidance. Yes, it is about skills and instilling the confidence and, and supporting you. And, and it is also about holding you accountable. So that, that thing, that accountability is a key concept, because if I don't own that, if I don't seize that opportunity to face that shadow here, then I'm basically saying, that's okay. My kids, we will take care of that. And God knows what that shadow is going to look like a few years from now, if we were to not address it. So I don't mean to sound woo woo, but, but it's really today. It is really a battle at the risk of simplifying things here. And I do 
wish to create spaces where we are able to hold each other accountable with love from a place of wanting to figure things out, wanting a better future for my children. Uh, yeah, because that's the very least we can do, isn't it? That's, I mean, that's why I'm here for. If I can't do that, then what's the point? You know, that's like right. that's, that's, I feel like that's my purpose as a, as a father is to make sure I can set them up in a, as safe as possible future, not necessarily comfortable, but as safe as possible. Right. That's what I'm here for too. And hopefully some of the people who are listening, they're here for it too. And so if someone has been, been listening and they've been intrigued by something you've said, they've been more curious to find out more about who you work with, what you do, maybe they're in a place where like, this is the guy, Pierre Etienne, this is the guy that I'm supposed to talk to. I'm listening to this podcast. I heard his voice. It's calling to me. How can somebody learn more about you, about what you're offering? How can they connect with you? What's the next steps to get connected with you? They're welcome to hit me up on IG. So it will be the initials of my first name, P.E. Vanier. So you can just hit me up on IG and, and have a conversation. And really nowadays, just so you know, my mission is really, as I mentioned, to help people build that capacity to hold space. Hold space for yourself, hold space for your loved ones, and hold space here for also practitioners. This is what I've been working hard on for many years. This is what I'm, I've been formalizing in the past few months. I'm very excited to, to have started, you know, a, a three-month mentorship program. We go deep. This is this is not yet another certificate. This is an opportunity to embody everything we talk about. This is an opportunity to just look deep within yourself. It's a fantastic inner adventure within that container of, of accountability and authenticity. So people are welcome to hit me up on IG or on my website at pevanier.com and we'll take it from there. Beautiful. We'll have those in the show notes. If you feel called, reach out to Pierre Etienne. I love this idea that you're talking about of offering the mentorship and not just being another certification. Because when we were touching on that mentorship piece, so much of at least the culture that I'm ingrained in, how I grew up, it's like, oh, you just go to the school, you take the classes, you get the piece of paper and then boom, I'm off and I can go do all the things. But you're right. Like, can I, have I learned anything from somebody else who's in the field, who's doing the things? Have I studied? Have I sat and listened? Have I gone through my internship, my mentorship, my apprenticeship? Like those words are so powerful that are rarely integrated into the path that people walk on. So I love that you're offering that, that I'm sure that the mentors in your life that got you here today, is just passing on that wisdom and that knowledge. So, yeah. I'll finish on what one of my teachers always said, which is, you know, whatever I shared that was helpful to you, you know, came from my teachers. Everything else came from my ego. Please forgive me. And thank you. Yeah. Beautiful, Pierre Etienne. Well, Pierre Etienne, I'd like to close us out. I'd like to take you on a little bit of just a visualization to see the words that come through you, whether it's something that came through your mentors, through maybe something higher than yourself that is, is turning into your voice. I want to invite you to take a deep breath and close your eyes. And if you're listening along at home, I invite you to join us as well to see what comes through you. So Pierre Etienne, you find yourself on an open field. Thousands of men are with you and you are about to address the world. You begin to speak and I want you to finish this sentence. We are the men who need to show up and face the shadows 
and bring the light for ourselves, for our loved ones, and for the future generations. For ourselves, for our loved ones, and the future generations. Thank you, Pierre, Etienne, Vanier. Thank you, everyone, for listening and joining us on the We Are The Men podcast. We Are The Men is a global movement, and I want to invite you in to be a part of it. Go to wearethemen.com to sign up for our mailing list and learn how you can get involved. If you liked what you heard, take a moment to rate and follow this podcast to help us reach more listeners. All of us know men who could benefit from hearing these conversations and engaging with our community. Please share this podcast today with someone you know. I'm Angela Santiago. Thank you, Pierre Etienne Vanier, for being here. And we are the men. Mm-hmm.